even in the United States, with all of our advanced health care, there is no hospital out there that's equipped to handle 20 gunshot victims. Welcome to Unearthed, a podcast brought to you by the WBRU News Team. And I'm your host, Ellie Morimoto. Action movie heroes may be able to walk off several gunshots at a time, but real life is a little more complicated. Medical resident Shahab Ali walks us through the damage of a single bullet and why we aren't prepared for everyone's worst-case scenario. Here's WBRU News reporter Benjamin Myers. Probably in a 12-hour shift, you'll see on an average day, probably about one. Um, you know, some of my worst days have been three, um, four. That's Shahab Ali, a third-year resident and emergency physician at Rhode Island Hospital. If I were shot, he would be one of the people who would try to save my life. I want to get to know him and find out whether he worries about having to, one day, treat victims of a mass shooting. So I think, you know, Rhode Island Hospital is a major hospital. Providence is, is not a small city. I, I think it's very likely to happen at some point here. Um, it's happened in so many other places that never thought that it would happen. And it happens so often that I think sooner or later it's going to happen if things don't change. So, yeah, absolutely we think about it. We met up at a cafe on Hope Street and sit on an outdoor patio surrounded by lots of little birds. Shahab wears slacks and a polo shirt carries a coffee in one hand and a solid handshake in the other. He tells me about his first night at the ICU as an intern. But you're the only physical doctor in that unit of, of, of you know, 10-plus uh, critically ill patients. That's quite terrifying. So there's always people around you, and yet there's this weird kind of profound feeling of loneliness when you realize that sort of that weight of responsibility is on you and you're the only doctor there. And that took me a long time to get over. It took me probably most of the month to get over that sort of feeling of getting comfortable there early on. As Shahab settled into his routine, he picked up a lot of tricks from other doctors and made a few of his own. This came into play one day when he had two trauma patients come in at once. Not a nightmare, but a pretty serious challenge. So I was a trauma doctor on call, so okay, this patient, the first patient, you know, was still very unstable, but there were a couple other people who knew the plan who were kind of getting started, so now I have to break off, and I go over there. One doctor comes with me. Now there's only two of us with a skeleton crew of nurses taking care of this patient. The patient needs to be intubated, meaning get, get a breathing tube. The patient needs to get big IVs in, blood needs to go, and it's never going to happen as fast with a skeleton crew than with the full crew. Intubation is a critical cornerstone to stabilize patients during a mass shooting. Simply put, it's just a long plastic tube that is threaded down a person's throat to help them breathe. If they're a mass shooting, Shahab says he needs to intubate patients to make them stable enough to cycle them to other operating rooms on higher levels, clearing more room for more patients in the ER itself. Shahab had to rush back to the ER, so I called him later to ask what that was like. He distinctly remembers one time standing at the foot of a hospital bed, trying to supervise treating a gunshot wound to the head. So um, one of the shifts I had where I had a gunshot wound actually directly to the head, I was running the trauma, meaning I was at the foot of the bed, kind of uh, coordinating everything. One of my colleagues was um, doing the intubation. And the problem there is when there's a gunshot wound, uh, especially if it's to the head or to the neck, there's you know, blood in the airway. So you open up the mouth 
trying to see through through the vocal cords into the windpipe, the trachea. Uh, but often what you'll just see is a pool of blood. So that makes things challenging. You know, you have to suction out the blood and you have to hope that you can get a good view. Shahab says Providence is still a city with relatively few gunshot victims. And when patients with gunshot wounds do come in, they're usually spaced out enough so that he can treat each of them thoroughly. It's on the rarer side in Providence. Um, probably in a 12-hour shift, you'll see on an average day, probably about one. Um, you know, some of my worst days have been three, um, four. Obviously not at the same time. And even three spread out over a 12-hour shift can, can really, really push the resources to a limit um, because they're so resource-intensive. It's this resource intensity which makes treating gunshot wounds in mass so challenging. Unlike knife wounds, for example, where the track of the blade through the body can be predicted and the extent of the damage more or less clearly seen, bullets have a nasty tendency of ricocheting through the body, damaging internal organs, shattering bones, and then getting stuck. Back on the phone again, Shahab explained to me what that was like. It tends to be a tiny little hole in the shirt and a tiny little hole in the skin. And that doesn't mean that they don't have horrible internal injuries, um, but there isn't, you know, a big splotch. The skin doesn't explode or anything like that. It looks, in a way, not dissimilar to being stabbed by a small, you know, like a pitchfork or something like that. It's just a small little hole, um, and often there's not very much blood, depending on where they got shot on the shirt. Uh, it's not like in the movies where, you know, you get shot and then blood comes gushing out. That typically doesn't happen. RIH is Rhode Island's only level one trauma center, meaning that it can provide total care for trauma patients from stabilization through rehabilitation. However, even though it's Rhode Island's only hospital completely dedicated to stabilizing trauma patients, if something similar to the Parkland shooting happened, in which 32 people were shot in a span of less than 10 minutes, RIH would be quickly overwhelmed. To put it into perspective, to stabilize just a single gunshot wound, Shahab would need the assistance of two additional nurses, an additional doctor, and a respiratory technician. Multiply that number of trained staff by the number of people potentially injured in a mass shooting, and you've got a major problem on your hands. I think it's, it's people don't understand that just because it's a level one trauma center does not mean that it's equipped for mass casualty incidents like that, particularly uh, mass shootings. Most gunshot injuries, uh, if the patient's at all unstable, require operations, require surgery. And while there are, you know, I think 15 plus total operating rooms, people don't understand that to mobilize all of them immediately takes a huge amount of staff that cannot happen rapidly. So we can't operate on 10 patients immediately. Um, there aren't 10 trauma surgeons on staff. So that would, you know, very quickly overwhelm resources. It may seem unsettling that a major hospital wouldn't be able to deal with a mass shooting incident but preparation for this level of wounded patients just doesn't happen in regular peacetime hospitals. There aren't hospitals out there that are equipped to handle, you know, 15, 20 gunshot victims at once on a, as a routine basis. That just doesn't happen. That's too serious a level. That's, you know, we're talking war zone level uh, casualties. So, you know, every trauma center has protocols in place to try and maximize their ability to handle it. But, but at any place out there, that, that level of, of patient volume is going to quickly overwhelm resources in any hospital. In a worst-case scenario, Jahab tells me that he has learned a few lessons from Las Vegas doctors after the October 1st mass shooting that left 89 dead and 422 people wounded from gunfire. Um, one of the things I'd heard was 
they would set up, you know, patient stretchers, if you imagine, like flowers, like petals on a flower, kind of going out with a doctor standing in the middle. And a doctor would just intubate a patient, turn to his right, intubate a patient, turn to his or right, intubate, and do it in that way in a circle like that. You know, like those are the kind of crazy things that, that, the, that the incredible team at Vegas had to do. For almost every patient, regardless of if he has saved them or lost them, Shahab has to stop by the family room in the middle of RIH. Becoming a little quieter now and half shielding his face with his hands, you can notice the subtle transition as he talks about the faces in the family room. What sticks out for me most is, for me most are, are, are the family reactions. I think their reactions uh, are the things that people don't see a lot. And as, as the physician who has to then go in and tell a family member, when you have to sit down and tell them that their loved one is either critically ill or, or in some situation has passed um, or has these terrible injuries like that, that really sticks out. Um, I've had to do that more times than I would like to think about. Th those, I think, are probably more the hardest parts, is telling family members. And doctors are not completely insulated from their experiences either. After a certain point, it does begin to take a personal toll. Truthfully, there's probably some numbing component to it where you start having seen enough of these patients to, perhaps as a protective response, feel less of a emotional reaction to it. You know, if you do enough critical care and trauma, I guess the truth of my experience would be at a certain point you start to feel a little bit less. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe I need to <laughs> to kind of revitalize my empathy, uh, if that's the case. But I think some of that is just a protective mechanism, right? You can only see so much of this, and you can't respond, at least emotionally, in the same way every single time. And so at a certain point, you have to pull back. And I think that's probably happened to me over the course of the last couple of years. Although Shahab is personally doing his best to ensure his skills and knowledge are ready for the next mass trauma incident, he wanted to remind me that there was no way to prepare a larger institution like RIH in the same way. Even in the United States, with all of our advanced health care, there is no hospital out there that's equipped to handle 20 gunshot victims. Um, you know, and situations like in Vegas are really, um, are really catastrophic. Um, and then if that happens here, um, it will be equally catastrophic, and there's not much at that level of violence that, that we can do um, to be ready for. Thanks for listening. And for WBRU, I'm Benjamin Myers. This episode was brought to you by the WBRU News Team in Providence, Rhode Island. Special shout out to Andy Corbin, Yashi Wang, Karius Zenner, Rainey Zimmerman, Eileen Foe, Elise Kipnis, and John Klein for their help in making this episode happen. The mission of Unearthed is to have people talk to one another, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave your comments on iTunes or DM us on Instagram at WBRU News. I'm Ellie Morimoto, and thanks for listening.